y'all, it's Hector. Welcome to the Pocket Pulpit. Now, this week there is no new episode, but we wanted to highlight an episode with Will Soto. Uh, if you have not listened to his episode, there's a treat for you. We're going to be featuring it this week. And we just want to take a, a moment to listen back to his wisdom as a pastor and counselor and really a series of of tweets that Sarah and I had first recognized, uh, just saw uh, him using this format to, to speak as a pastor to other pastors, often with the um, with the wisdom of, of a counselor as well. And so, listen in on the conversation, and if you're not following Will, you should be. At the end of the day, when I hit tweet or I hit send and I post something, it goes into a void and I don't know who touches that. I don't know who gets, who sees it, who interacts with it. I can click on the, you know, the, the activity and see, oh, well, you know, 8,000 people saw this or whatever, but I don't know who those 8,000 people are. And so when I hit send, I want what they see to be as helpful as as can be. Hey there, welcome to Pocket Pulpit. This is your co-host Hector, and I'm here with my co-host Sarah. Hey. And today we are going to hear from our friend Will Soto. Hey Will. Hey guys, how are you? Good. I'll do well, man. Good to have you on. Good. Yeah, it's good to be here with you guys. Yeah. Hey, Will, just uh, really quick, can you just give a, a quick snapshot of who you are? Yeah. Um, I'm an associate pastor in uh, rural Virginia. Uh, when you think rural Virginia, it's probably where I serve. And um, I've been here in the Shenandoah Valley for about almost three years now. And uh, before that, I was a pastor in Lynchburg and in New Jersey, and I've served in a variety of pastoral roles, uh, some lay roles uh, as as sort of a volunteer as a church member, but then also in vocational ministry. This is my 11th year, the start of my 11th year as a a pastor, and um, I also am a counselor, a certified counselor and, and professional counselor here in Virginia. Um, I've been doing that actually a little bit longer than I have uh, been a pastor. I've been a counselor for about 12 or 13 years, and um, I love it. I love all of it. Ministry people, um, some people say I'm a glutton for punishment. I'm okay with that. Um, I've got a beautiful wife, Shannon. We've been married, just hit 14 years, um, and we've got three energetic, amazing kiddos. Uh, My daughter's 13, and my boys are 11 and 9, and... If I don't include the dog, my wife will not be happy. So we also have a soon-to-be five-year-old uh, golden retriever black lab mix named Kylo Ren. Obviously, we're big Star Wars fans and nerds, and so um, he's here somewhere. He's probably laying around doing absolutely nothing. So yeah, so that's a little little snapshot. Um, I'm really glad you guys uh, to be here with you guys. Little uh, little honored, little nervous. <laughs> oh, there's no need to be here. We're all friends here. Um, 
well, what platforms are you on? Um, where can people find you if you want to be found? And what's your preferred platform? Yeah, so I have a, I have an Instagram account that I haven't checked unless my wife says, hey, I posted something and then I go and look at it. Um, so I have a, a, an install and delete relationship with Instagram. I install it when I'm supposed to, and then I delete it as soon as I'm done, <laughs> as soon as I'm done. Um, but you can find me there. And uh, my, I believe my Instagram handle is the same as my Twitter handle, which is WSOTO201. Um, and then I'm also on Facebook. I, I find Facebook generally insufferable, <laughs> just being honest. <laughs> Uh, even more so here in the last probably year and a half to two years. Um, so I use it. I use Facebook primarily for church, church announcements, event announcements, sort of passing along of details and information. Um, occasionally I'll post there, but usually um, I just sort of scroll and move along. Um, Facebook handle is also uh, Will Soto. So you pretty straightforward. I think I have a Pinterest account that I set up way back in the day when I was doing a whole lot of like house projects, <laughs> but they may have deactivated it. And so I, I don't think you'd be able to find me if you tried, but you might, it would also probably be Will Soto. So yeah, so definitely, uh, definitely Twitter. Um, in fact, I, I was commenting before we, we started the recording that I've been ambivalent towards Twitter for a long time. I opened my account, I think in 2011 or 12 and, um, looked at it for about five minutes and then didn't do anything with it up until probably December of last year. So almost eight years of inactivity or really sporadic activity. Um, and even then when I, when I dove back into Twitter, it was a sort of a, I don't know, it wasn't a dive into the deep end. It was more, uh, testing the waters and deciding the water was too cold and then testing it again. And, sort of going in that process. So over the last maybe six or seven months, I've probably gotten far more active on Twitter than I ever was at any point before. So, yeah. In the, um, in your inactive years, you must've been slightly more active than me because I also set up an account about the same time you did tweeted, I think one time couldn't figure it out and didn't tweet ever again. And eventually they were like, Hi, sending you an email to let you know you're no longer on Twitter. You suck at this and we're shutting down your account. So I came back in December of last year. Too. Yeah, I, uh, I think my before my December post, my post before that was probably 2015. I know that I posted something right after the, uh, the riots in Charlottesville in 2017 or 18, whenever it was. Um, but I think that was the last that I had posted or linked to something and then it was just dormant again. So I've had this ebb and flow sort of relationship with, with Twitter as a whole, but I've really come to appreciate it though, uh, especially in the last like six months. Um, I think I have a, a much deeper appreciation for the platform as a whole. And then even my, my approach to the platform, my voice, if you want to you know, call it that my voice on the platform, um, I've really found a, a sort of comfort zone with it. Um, and I've, I've actually enjoyed, I've enjoyed it here recently, especially. So. Well, we enjoy you. So. Yes. I appreciate enjoy, that. <laughs> you, you never, but you never know, right? I mean, you post this thing and you, you give some thought to it. Well, some people don't give any thought to it, but generally you try and give some thought to what you post and you hit, you hit tweet and then it just circles the void and you never know where it's going to land or stick or not. And so 
I, I appreciate the encouragement. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what we wanted to talk to you most about for the people who are listening, it might sound like this just applies to pastors, but what we're going to talk about today applies definitely more than just pastors. On this episode, we are going to address pastors, but our hope is that by sharing Will's story and and how he interacts online, people are going to better understand how to reach people, reach the people that God has put on their heart, and that they also might better understand this people group, pastors and leaders, a little better. And we also hope that um, they hear some advice for themselves on how to use their own pocket pulpit more faithfully. You know, um, Will Will speaks to, um, if you if you follow Will, you'll see that he has these posts that start from a pastor slash counselor to pastors. And so Will takes time to address this um, this particular people group, and we'll get into that and talk about about that, um, because they're a people group that God has put on His heart, and um, talks about uh, how to use that that role faithfully and how to um, and cares for them. Um, but like we talk about on the pocket pulpit, everybody um, has this pulpit in their pocket, and so we all need to be prepared to be effective ministers and to be responsible with what we do with that pulpit so don't don't think this doesn't apply to you this applies to everybody yeah yeah well can you share just a little bit on you talked about kind of the like the tumultuousness of just facebook right and like social media and like what that's become, but, but you also talk about being on Twitter. And I think part of that just, I mean, obviously we're talking about exploring social media ministry and like the online presence, but we also know that it affects our in-person ministry and our in-person relationships. So can you just share a little bit about how maybe the last two years or so have changed ministry for you, how the experience has changed your heart, even for other pastors, uh, maybe as you, you see and engage uh, pastors on ministry and in real life. Yeah. Um, in, you know, the, the two year time frame obviously has uh, quite a, quite a bit of events, world events attached to it, right? We had, uh, we had George Floyd, we've had a lot of racial uh, tension and discussion surrounding, surrounding those ideas. We've had, um, obviously a pretty contentious political season, uh, even in the lead up to, and in the aftermath of, uh, last year's election cycle, um, and then obviously we've had COVID that's that's overlapped all of that. And I think what each one of those things have done in their own way is sort of isolate people in different ways. Obviously, COVID with quarantines and lockdowns and and distancing those kinds of things is that um, people are maybe a little more fragmented than they've been in the past, whether that was forced or by by choice. Um, and so I think on a on a local church level, just the, the in person type of ministry. It's forced, uh, I know for, for me, it's forced me and probably other pastors as well to, to really think of some different ways to connect to people, uh, even their own people that they're used to seeing week in, week out, maybe multiple times a week. Um, I, I've, I remember uh, when COVID first started and we all thought, well, two weeks you know, to, to sort of flatten the curve and they shut things down in March and we'll be back in June. Um, I remember going to Target uh, here in town and, and buying a couple of boxes of just like blank cards and just writing cards and then driving to people's houses and hand delivering these cards of encouragement, right. To, to just different folks and different families. And 
writing in those cards that we'll see you soon and soon turned into 18 months, right? Now here we are almost two years in going on two years. And so it, it forced just this maybe unorthodox in some ways, this unorthodox way of ministering to people and trying to keep contact with them. I know for us, uh, in terms of the teaching ministry, we, we obviously did Sunday morning. It was me, uh, my co-pastor, and uh, our worship team to an um, We had stuffed animals sitting in chairs where people would otherwise be. And some folks were gracious enough to <laughs> print out their faces and you know, tape them to the seat. So we, we had church family there, even though, you know, it was just printed pictures. Um, it just forced us into a space where we hadn't really considered that kind of ministry, that level of ministry and the effect that it would have on us personally. Um, you bring in social media into that and man, <laughs> it was like, uh, the, a, a fire was already raging, you know, and then as, as world events started to sort of happen, on this massive scale, um, people felt, and I don't know if, if the distance, the, the lack of, of physical proximity one to another led to this or what, there's probably better thinkers on this idea than me, but um, there were just, there was, there just seemed to be this wellspring of, of people reacting strongly and harshly and divisively to people that they would otherwise embrace if they were in person, you know, <clears throat> church members to church member, family member to family member, uh, friend to friend. And it, it, it just sort of snowballed from there. And for a while I, I stepped away from social media engagement simply because even the simplest statement or simple, you know, the, the most uncontroversial opinion was just met with this force of, of angst and anxiety and frustration that, my ambivalence sort of sort of had a resurrection in my heart, <laughs> and uh, I stepped away from from most social media for a while. Um, that sort of culminated or came to a head right after January sixth, uh, with the situation at the in the Capitol, and I was just so angry with so many things that I was seeing and hearing and uh, conversations I was having, and that I, I just. I, told my wife, Shannon, I said, look, we just need to, I just, I feel like we need to take a, just a month away, just a month of January, sort of reset and uh, figure it out from there. At that point, I was still a distant observer on Twitter and um, seeing some of the, the, whew, some of the interactions in the aftermath of that really were disheartening. But I found that in the, the three to four weeks of being away from social media, that I was able to actually think through and even pray through, all right, I can't, avoid social media forever, right? Sort of the way we're connecting, at least right now. How do I enter back into social media, not just as a helpful voice, but as a healthy person to use that voice? Because I think so often our words, I mean, the scriptures remind us, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, heart, the mouth speaks. And by extension, social media is an extension of our heart. I want my heart to reflect or my words to reflect my heart. And where Thankfully, in, in frustration and anger, I stepped away. I think coming back, I really wanted to, to engage and embrace social media um, in, a, in a different way than I had before. Um, I didn't have a particular platform at that point of favorite. I don't understand Instagram. Um, some people do. Some people love it. I'm just, I'm not a picture taker. I think the, 
most recent picture in my phone is from like six months ago. So Ooh. like I'm the worst. Instagram is just the worst for me. Wow. <laughs> um, Facebook is too, too, too political. I, I have political opinions. I don't think they're all that good at times. And so I didn't feel like I could engage there on any real level. Um, and so it sort of forced me to look at Twitter in a, in a different light and um, coming back into it. I dabbled for a bit, right? I, I sort of tried to figure out where my voice was. There were early posts were a little snarky at times and a little tongue in cheek. And I felt like, well, I, I don't, I feel like I have some helpful things to say. So I don't want the bulk of my voice to be so snarky or so tongue in cheek that if I were to come with something helpful, that it's just sort of dismissed offhand, yeah. that kind of thing. And then on the other side of it, I didn't want to be so serious that, well, I almost came across as not a real person, right? And so there was this figuring out. And I think the only way you do that is sort of trial by fire. <laughs> you sort of do it and you adjust on the fly. So I, I did that. Um, and now I've, I've come to a place here now, nine, almost 10 months later, where I've cultivated a space for myself to where the voices that I'm, I'm seeing and hearing and engaging with are they're fruitful voices, they're winsome voices, they're, there's wisdom that they offer and, and just insight. And I can look at something that even a conviction, a deeply held conviction that I have, hear someone else speak to it and look at it from, from a different angle. And it deepens that, maybe that conviction, or maybe it, it, it expands my thought process on it. And I found that to be incredibly helpful uh, in real life. When I say real life, I mean, person to person ministry. Um, in a local church where I'm preaching regularly, I'm teaching regularly, I'm engaging now with people more on a, on a personal level than we were at the start of COVID. Um, it's developed a deeper sense of, I'm going to use a bad word here, empathy, um, you know, in, in how I minister alongside uh, different people and the conversations I have. So social media in that sense has had a, an unusual, maybe even an unexpected effect on the work that I do Monday through Sunday, day in, day out, person by person. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. One thing I like, I hear you talking about is that like you took the break and to make sure that you were, you were approaching this space from a, a healthy place. Yeah. That you were whole, that you were cared for, that you expressed yourself well, and that you were taking into consideration other people and their viewpoints and how um, that you took time to consider what is the best place for my voice. And if I don't have strengths in these other areas, then maybe I don't use them in this way because it's a, it's a, the wrong space for me. Yeah. I think that one of the, one challenge that is facing a lot of pastors and church leaders is that they, well, one, they might not have the self-awareness that you had to say, before I step into this space, let me make sure that I am healthy, that I am, and that um, I know where my strengths lie and where, where my weaknesses are, and um, to, to do that self-evaluation. And they also may not have the relationship in their life, a, a, a mentor or a counselor, they don't have the background that you do in counseling. Um, or the, the privilege, I mean, Shannon's a, a counselor, yep. so you have, you have a, you have a counselor in your head and a counselor in your home. So correct. <laughs> you are well counseled. So, <laughs> but, but one of the challenges, um, 
that I think a lot of pastors have felt in the past two years that maybe it wasn't such a big deal before because there was a system that was flowing smoothly. They knew what their cog was supposed to do and it just rolled. But um, with relationships falling apart and so there may have been a mentor in their life that went away or um, with the isolation. And I think some people just have no idea how isolating um, the experience of pastoring can be. They have lost that voice of counsel and they may feel as pastors, they may feel unpastored and it's, and it's really hard to feel unpastored, to, to feel like you don't have someone walking ahead of you when yeah. everything, it's like the whole system broke down, the whole mm-hmm. plan went out the window and just what way do we go? And we used to have a nice single file line, just follow the leader, you know, follow right. the, follow your leader from all the way through the system. Um, so I think, you know, without that, um, it can be incredibly isolating, but there are through social media, like there are new avenues of support and connection. One of which, like we see you doing by offering that voice as counsel. Have you seen connections with other pastors? Have, have yeah. you been um, to talk about that? Yeah, um, that's a good question. So you're right. I, I, don't, I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think we were prepared for a, a worldwide pandemic that was going to be pretty prolonged and, uh, you know, affect all, all the things, right? In that, I think it, it resulted in some things, but I also think it revealed some things, right? Some things that, that existed within, within the structures of our, our church systems and leadership teams and the ways that we went about church. And there were some cracks in the foundation that were exposed. And I, and I think rightly so. I think the Lord has a way of refining his church and pruning us in different ways so that what is broken can be made whole over time. I think the pastoral relationships or the lack of was one of those cracks that were revealed in the season that we've, that we're even now still in. Um, I have actually been able to make some, some interesting connections with different pastors. In fact, um, about 20, 30 minutes before uh, I jumped on with you guys, I had just finished a a zoom meeting with a a pastor in Missouri um, who by way of some of the, the, Twitter post that I had made just had reached out and said, Hey man, I'm just, you know, do you have time to talk? And, um, I always tell people, you know, especially that so many of my posts are from a pastor counselor to pastors is that, Hey, I'm, I'm a, I'm a listening ear. I will offer whatever, you know, encouragement I can. Um, but this is not in, in lieu of or replacement for counseling or therapy. Um, and I will always direct you in that, in that, you know, point in that direction. Um, but it's been interesting because I think where he said it multiple times, you know, I just feel like I'm alone. I feel like I'm the only one going through this. I feel like I'm, I'm sort of an Island unto myself and the discouragements I feel and the, the inadequacies that I, that I have in my heart. And I, for me to be able to say, Hey man, like, dude, I'm, I'm, what you're saying is some of the stuff I felt, some of even what you've experienced, some of the things, maybe not exactly because we're in different contexts, but there's some, some similarity here, right? There's, there's a lot of overlap and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things that you feel that I feel and that, 
you experienced that I experienced and, and we can come together in, in brotherhood, right. As brothers and sisters in Christ and offer mutual encouragement to say, Hey man, there's some good things here. Let me, from what you're saying, here's a, here's a, here's what I'm hearing. Here's a, maybe a, a sliver of light in what appears to be a dark, deep tunnel. Right. And just to sort of reorient that person's, you know, point of view, because again, you know, some of what I've appreciated with Twitter recently has been the reorienting and giving me a different point of view for us to be able to do that to each other. I think that's where social ministry, social media ministry really goes a long way to helping someone maintain a sense of faith and a sense of perseverance. And just some of the stuff has just been awful, you know? Um, and that's just the world stuff, but then you, you figure there's no perfect church and church is made up of imperfect people. And so naturally there's going to be a, a tension and a conflict that exists when you minister closely with someone. Sometimes when you're in the fire, it's hard to realize that there are safe places outside of that fire. And so where social, social media ministry can come in is reminding them, Hey, there are there are safe spots. There are safe places for us to converse about this and for us to encourage and even challenge at times. And then, you know, we're trusting the Lord, both of us, as we go back into the fires that, that we find ourselves in, you know? Yeah. You, uh, you talk a lot about the pastor counselor to pastor posts. And so uh, we actually want to take a look at one of those and just talk a little bit about it. So, Oh no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that would happen. Oh but yeah. Here we go. This let, is let's, let's do it. Let's do see it. See <laughs> how far back we go in the tweets. No. Uh, oh, so, man. so here's the tweet from a pastor counselor to pastors. We are accountable for every word we speak, including social media. Use your words to build up, not tear down, to heal, not traumatize, to exhort, not destroy. Uh, this really, I mean, this is really great advice to, to anybody with a pulpit, um, but it's particularly good advice for those who bear the role of church leadership. Uh, can you just, can you talk to us a little bit about why you posted this tweet, um, if you can remember the context, but, uh, yeah. but just talk a little bit about the heart behind that, uh, yeah. that tweet. Hector, can you do me a huge favor? Yeah. Can you tell me the, the date and timestamp on that, on that Ooh, tweet? I can't. Uh, yeah. Our researcher is lucky. Because yeah. I, I, it might actually, knowing that might actually be able to help me recall the context yeah, where absolutely. maybe I was in, in posting it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me get you that time right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, while you're doing that, I can, I can give a sort of a general, um, here's, here's a general sense of my heart in it. Yeah. Um, I just think when, when we consider pastoral qualifications, right, what, what the calling to be a pastor is and what it should look like, scripturally speaking, we have this, these, what seem to be these individual, maybe disconnected ideas, right? Pastor should be the husband of one wife and, you know, able to teach and not this and not this, not prone to these certain things. And it's almost like this positive and negative back and forth. But really, as a, as a summary, it, it allows us, if we categorize it, really, it's just expression. It's an expression of relational health individually, yeah. me as a, as a person that I'm, that I'm healthy spiritually, right, as, as much as an imperfect person can be. But that, that, that health is also 
in my relationships in my home, my relationships to my community, right? Whether the community is the local church, obviously, but also the larger community that, that I find myself in. Um, and so maybe the furthest band of that community might be social media where when I go to like, my wife tweeted this funny thing the other day earlier in the week that I went to, we went to Walmart um, and I bumped into the, the, uh, the drive-through guy at the Dunkin' Donuts. Now I go to Dunkin' Donuts every day. It's a problem. Right. <laughs> but in doing that, <laughs> in doing that, like I've, I've made, I guess I've made friends with one of the guys there. And so, you know, every time I, I see him, we have, you know, small talk. Anyway, I bumped into him at, at Walmart and um, we just exchanged pleasantries and that kind of thing. So my, my, my local community outside of my local church still involves people and faces and names that I know and can interact with on maybe a personal level, right? The outer band of that might be social media where I have a name and maybe an avatar or a picture, maybe not, but they're still behind that, that social media handle, behind that uh, avatar, that, that profile picture. There's still a flesh and blood person that's represented there, right? I mean, unless yeah. you're a bot, that's a whole different discussion, I guess. <laughs> but assuming, right, there's real, real people there. I want my words, particularly as a pastor, as a counselor, um, knowing the scriptural qualifications and also knowing that there's just a, there's such an apathy in the world around us right now. I want to, I want to push back against that, even in small ways, person to person. At the end of the day, when I hit tweet or I hit send, and I post something, it goes into a void. And I don't know who touches that. I don't know who gets, who sees it, who interacts with it. I can click on the, you know, the, the activity and see, oh, well, you know, 8,000 people saw this or whatever. But I don't know who those 8,000 people are. And so when I hit send, I want what they see to be as helpful as, as can be. Does that, does that make sense? I don't want I don't want to, because again, I, from the counseling side, even just from, from a personal side, I've, we've all been through stuff. We've all been through traumas and heartaches and just difficult things. Some of, some of us have been through some really awful things. I don't want what I send, what I post to compound that trauma, to, to, to further victimize someone who's already been hurt. And on Twitter, we, we know this, we have people that we engage with, interact with, that have been through the healing process, but some of them are still in the midst of that. And some of them are just now recognizing that they've been hurt. And so I don't want, I want to embrace that tension in what I, what I post, but I also want to be a, a, a healing voice if, if the Lord were to, to use it that way. So I, I always try to err on that side. So in a general sense, that was my my heart there. I've got dog hair in my mouth. So <laughs> feel free to oh. leave that in. in that <laughs> oh, it's our intro. It's our intro. <laughs> Welcome. Oh, um, yeah. Well, that was in a, in a oh, go ahead, Sarah. I'm sorry. You was August <laughs> he just wandered out of here. I think he heard he heard dog and said, I'm leaving. Like, oh, my fault. <laughs> he, he waddled away. Um you know, and in terms of maybe the date, time, and stamp, I, I don't, I don't exactly remember when I posted it, but um, August. 26th. I can we do. Oh, yeah. so that was a that was like three weeks ago. Um, yeah. I think in, in 
in a specific sense, uh, it was probably um, just in response to some of the, the harsh things that we sometimes see from, from other pastors uh, on social media. They, they tend to be a little bit, and I, and I realize that Twitter especially is a limited medium, right? 280 characters. Um, and this is my philosophy, so I, I'm not necessarily trying to bind anybody's conscience, but I think if you have especially a limited medium, that you should give twice as much thought <laughs> before before you post, right? And so I, I I've seen so many posts and responses to posts and quote tweets and that are that are just needlessly hurtful and seem to be piling on people who need freedom and who need help, right? And I, I can tell you that August 26th was sometime around the time where my, my own Twitter feed was showing some of the uh, allegations from some of the larger churches. Obviously, we've all been listening to the rise and fall of Mars Hill and gangster capitalism and some of the other podcasts that have come out recently. And so um, by and large, a lot of the tweets that point in that direction are, are speaking maybe in a general sense as a general sense of wisdom to some of those, some of those issues. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Now, one of the things um, I, I thought about earlier when you were talking um, and you kind of hinted at it was the impact of social media on our, on our congregants. And I, and I sort of thought about, and I, I would imagine that this might be consistent for all of us, this experience, but I don't think that people think about this, how social media impacts the church, the local congregations. And um, I have witnessed people who will, it, there, there may be one person who makes one unkind post, right? And other people may see that, but they aren't just attributing that unkind post to the one person who made the unkind post. They yeah. are also attributing it to all of the people who hit like. Yep. So if I, as a church leader, like something that, and it, it may not be, it may not even be particularly unkind, but it, it may be kind of a shallow, unthought out opinion that, that represents maybe something that is true, but is not the only true viewpoint of a situation. And so I had, I hit like on that and I don't have a conversation with the other, with the other hundreds of people who see that I liked this limited viewpoint. Right. And, and instead of having conversations about that, congregants are, are legitimately hurt and then they leave. Or they internalize it and they don't talk about it with their leadership until it is it is far too late. They come and they say, you know, we saw that you liked, how could you, how could you have liked that? Yeah. Or, you know, how can I, how can I feel safe in a congregation where where they keep sharing the same article and that article yeah, doesn't yeah. understand me? And but they are out the door by the time they get that feedback. And so one particular struggle for church leadership for pastors that I, I really want people to understand is that we are we are not all seeing you know we don't know and um we're learning about the I mean a light can feel so 
inconsequential, but we're learning that it is, it has consequence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good point. Um, you know, it's interesting because I guess each person has their uh, maybe personal philosophy of, of social media, what they do with each each platform they use. Um, I, I come to Twitter specifically, let's say, um, and I very rarely will quote tweet or even really retweet something Um partly because of that. Um, and for me, I would much rather, I guess in, in my own, again, my own philosophy of it, I would much rather attribute my own thought to myself and then invite the conversation that, that comes out of that to yeah. say, as a form of accountability for me, to say that not only are we accountable for um, for our words that that go into the void that touch people's lives that we don't know, but we're also extending an invitation at some point to say, hey, I, I need to be, I need to maybe at times need to clarify unclear communication, right? Something where I thought I said it clearly and it just didn't work. And you have questions that, that come from that. There may be times where I have to correct it and say, oh, I didn't, you know, super narrow here. I didn't quite, I wasn't seeing it maybe from a different side. You know, I appreciate the engagement or, you know, thanks for sort of opening this up that way. And then there, there are just times where, you have to, despite maybe some of the pushback, you either, you have to confirm, hey, this is what I do hold to be true. And this is how I, in fact, um, this is the thought process behind why I came to what I sent out. Um, but I look at social media, not just as here's my own personal expression, but here's also an invitation for us to, to discourse or engage in conversation. Um, I know that how that affects me in, in, you know, person to person, local church ministry with people that I've rubbed shoulders with day in, day out is it's changed the way that I've, I've approached preaching and teaching um, to be invitational in those difficult conversations. Um, I, I had someone, uh, I have a, a mentor that I meet with here uh, pretty regularly. He's a, he was a pastor for 40 years. Uh, he's almost, you know, his late sixties, just a the dude has forgotten more about ministry than I will ever, ever know. Maybe multiple pastors lined up side by side will ever know. Um, and something he said early on when we first started meeting was, you, you have, Will, you have this sort of maybe prophetic approach to, to preaching and teaching. You, you aren't necessarily afraid of engaging in, in difficult conversations, right? We talk about race. We talk about just different net Christian nationalism, politics, that kind of thing. Um, but in that, what he didn't say has sort of left an echo in my ear and in my head is that there's, there's a way to have to be prophetic. And for some people, being prophetic is simply sharpening the knife or the, you know, the axe blade and just chopping, swinging wildly and chopping. But I think what he was getting at is that genuine, true, uh, like a spirit-led prophetic voice wields God's word more like a scalpel and less like an ax where mm. the scalpel makes precision cuts in very specific places that, and, and those cuts, they promote growth and healing. They don't destroy and tear down. Right. And so um, that, that, that thought has been in my head and social media has been helpful for me because I, I see the way people engage even, even negatively at times. And it's just, rem it reminds me that as I go into relationships with people as I preach, 
on Sunday mornings as I teach in, in group, that I have to be generous in that and say, here is my thought, here's where I've, I've come to a certain conclusion, but at best, on my best day, my interpretation of the scriptures, even my, my deeply held convictions are imperfect at times. And so in that prophetic voice, I want to extend an invitation to, and I will, and I, this might be the, uh, the, the novice part of me, right, in, in preaching and teaching. I will literally tell my people here, I, I, I want my heart to connect to your heart in this conversation. I'm coming to you. I'm saying these difficult things as, as not someone who's standing over you, but as a brother who's, who's sitting among you. Like I, I try to, to word it in such a way to let them know, hey, look, I'm, I'm with you in this. I, I want us to be together in this. I want us to have the conversation together, right? And that for me, I don't, again, maybe there's a better way to do it, but I don't know, at least right now, another way to do that, except to say the, in, the invitation's open. Like, I want you to walk through my doors and sit at my table and let's, let's, let's talk. As awkward as it may be and as clumsy as it may be, there's, there's space and room for that. So again, you know, I, all of this is done imperfectly. The Lord is, the Lord's grace is a, a funny thing, you know, but I try to approach social media that way. And social media has helped me approach pastoral ministry at, at times in that way. And so there's this weird, I don't know, this weird full circle sort of thing. You know? Yeah. Well, if you're, if your social media is, I mean, if we think if your social ministry is, is good, then it, it should be impacting just not just your online space to be impacting your in-person space as well. Yeah. Um, I think, right. I do think about the, the thing with, like you're talking about the prophetic, the prophetic voice. And I, I have thought in the past year or two, you know, when you read the old Testament and it'll say like, it wasn't just like the prophets who ended up getting a book of the Bible with their name on it. were like the only guys who were right. ever, so there's other guys that don't get their names mentioned. And then yeah, there are yeah. other guys who it's like, well, this guy was a prophet of God. And then he said this, and it actually wasn't what God said. And so God was like, let me go, let me straighten you out. Yeah. Um, and it, it's not great to get straightened out because you were profiting when you weren't talking <laughs> to God. Um, and, and just thinking through like that, that role of, or that, that title of prophet because um oh i mean there there are prophets who don't get their name so we're not all going to be beth moore we're not all going to be right. you know a big name but we there are people who have prophetic voices who have that kind of word for the people who aren't going to get their name written down but their word matters and the accountability to God matters just as much as the, as the guy who gets a whole book of the Bible in his name. Yeah. That's, that's real heavy. That's real heavy. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, it, it's, it's interesting because as, and maybe Twitter exposes this a little bit more than some of the other social media platforms, but um, I'm sure we could, we could list off the top of our head a few maybe of those big name prophets with, you know, 40, 50, 100,000, 200,000 followers that just, there's just not a winsomeness in the ways that they, they express themselves, right? And, and you see it in, 
when they get ratioed and, you know, just different things, right? And, and the reactions that people have. Um, I just find those some, sometimes those things are largely unhelpful, right? I mean, there are outside of maybe a, a handful of core convictions that are historic and orthodox, you know, related to Christianity that separate Christianity from everything else. So much of what we have in scripture is just not as clear as we sometimes want it to be, right? And it's not that scripture is unknowable or God hasn't revealed things. It's that in our limited sort of knowledge and understanding, there are ways that God has revealed himself that are just beyond us and that we won't have this side of eternity, right? And so I think knowing that, I think there should be a, a generosity that, yes, God's people as a whole should have, but especially those who have been called to, in a, in a, in a functional sense, be a, a voice, a, a spokesperson for the Lord, right? To say the Lord's word says this in a, in a formal, I just, I think sometimes there's just too much carelessness and recklessness that exists and it doesn't do anybody any good. I mean, I can agree with the guy on the core convictions of the faith, disagree in a secondary or tertiary matter. And based on how that, that person, male or female, would communicate those secondary tertiary things, seek to actually distance myself from it. Because it's just, it's just not helpful, you know? And so for me, I, I come to, to Twitter and to social media in general just as a, a way to say, I realize there may be some things that divide us but I want to be sure that if we agree to disagree at the end of this, that the means to the ends were as righteous as possible. That if the ends is, is we go our separate ways and that's just where we, where we have to leave it, that we engaged in a, a, a real conversation as best we could. We took the time that was necessary to hear each other out. And if we disagree, I can walk away in good conscience and good faith. And I, I would pray the same for you without drawing the line of like, you're a heretic, or you're going to go to hell, or, and, and saying, you know, there's room enough in, in, in eternity for both of us, and we may just come to, maybe we, we're just both wrong, or maybe, maybe one of us is more right than the other, but we'll just trust that the Lord reveals that in due season, you know, so I, I see too much of the polarization, I think it, so much of what goes on in, in church circles and spaces is just reflective of the culture, it's not transformative of it, and so I don't want to use my Twitter or my social media accounts as a reflection of the culture. I want it to, as best I can, reflect the spirit that's created a new me and a, a new way. Oh, that's good. <clears throat> Sorry, I've been holding that one in. It's all right, man. Remember, I had a dog hair in my mouth like five <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> oh, no, I hear so much of the heart of reconciliation and and inside of like if we're if we're the body and if, and and not just the body obviously in our interactions with others outside of the faith as well but but it especially for those conversations that are with the body and in particular as we're talking about posts about you know hey pastors like think about these mm -hmm. things ministers think about these things and so inside of we have to be reconciled to one another at the end of the day and and not in a, a trite reconciliation but in a true like we are there's restored relationship or there is a, uh 
just that, that we made every effort not to, um, not to put those things in jeopardy, right? Not to put those yeah. things in, in, uh, in harm's way of our own doing, if that makes sense. And so, yeah, it does. um, no, I, I, I just hear so much of that heart. And, and obviously I, I, I've told you before, Will, that, that that's something that I appreciate about you, of, you know, wrestling with not just the scripture, but wrestling with how do, how do I honor scripture while, or honoring God's people while I honor the scripture? You know what I mean? And yeah. getting back to, to Jesus' two commandments to love not only him, but to love our neighbors as well. Um, yeah. This commandment is like it. that it is, it is very closely tied to it. And um, yeah, so yeah. I, I hear that. That's good. Yeah, it's it's interesting uh, because I, if I were using Twitter, and maybe this is God's grace looking back on it, if I were using Twitter the way that I am now when I first started it, right, 2012, somewhere in there, oof, man, it'd be bad. I was just in a different place, I think, personally, um, in my own sanctification to where I probably would have, you know, fresh out of out of seminary. And, and I'm, I don't, I don't mean to paint with a broad stroke here. I'm just pointing to myself. I was fresh out of seminary. Um, I was a little bit more um, high on my own supply, if that makes sense. I had all the things figured out. And I just, you needed to know, I needed you to know, you needed to hear it from me and you needed to hear it the way I said it, irrespective or, you know, <laughs> anything you brought to the table. Yeah. And so I, I, I look back on, what it could have been. <laughs> and I think to myself, man, God's restraining, you know, the spirit restraining me in those ways and just saying, this doesn't matter is probably uh, a work of grace in my life. Um, and even up until probably four or five years ago, I was probably a little bit more of a, uh, of an ax than anything else. Um, it wasn't until I, I went through my own, um, trauma and difficulty, uh, in a, in a ministry season that, just the Lord, you know, those, uh, those, those cooking hammers where you take a, a, like a, like a piece of chicken and you hammer it down so that it's like flat and tender. It, it, that's what that season of ministry did for me. It, it took my heart. The Lord smashed it down in such a way that it tenderized it to where it's just, it's very different. And, and I'm thankful to the Lord, to the Lord for that. And you should, you probably all should be too, because my, my social ministry presence would have been very different. Um, and I know that there's, there's lessons to learn now. And I know that, you know, five years from now, five months from now, it'll be different. I'll look back on this season and, and say, man, like people were gracious and the Lord was gracious there too. Um, but it's just, it's just been a refining sort of sanctifying handful of years for me. So in some ways I feel like what, what people read now, maybe what they see now, all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly side note. My favorite movie is the good, the bad and the ugly. And I always try to work it in. <laughs> and you'll, if you go back and listen to some of my sermons, I get it in there just at the right time. So, you know, <laughs> so what you have now is in, in a way, the product of maybe four or five, five or six years worth of heart surgery that the Lord's been doing. I suspect that, you know, a year from now, looking back, what I posted then will also be reflective of the season now that the Lord's been. And I want people to see that. I, I, I'm not afraid of that. Um, I was at first because I felt for a long time, like I had to sort of measure up to a certain standard and, 
be a certain way and sound a certain way and preach a certain way and act a certain way. And my conformity, our conformity is to Christ alone, right? It's not my, me binding your conscience with what I think you should be or what I want you to be, but helping equip you and walk alongside you as the Lord turns you, transforms you into who he wants you to be. And so it just took a long time for me to work that out and to really let that grip me. And so I want people to see that that's where I'm at. And if that invites some things, then okay, then <laughs> we can, we can, you know, we can talk and we can, we can adjust and we can deal with it then. But yeah. The, I really resonate with, with what you were talking about when you were fresh out of seminary and it's like, I got to tell you, like, <laughs> hold, hold still a second. Um, there's a, there was a parks and rec uh, moment where I can't remember the character's name. He, he and um, Leslie Nope end up getting married and it's, he's like, I don't even have the time to tell you how wrong you are, <laughs> but, but it's going to bother me if I don't. So actually, and so like, that's definitely where I definitely was in that place where it was like, um, let me explain to you how everything should be. Um, and it can get very much like that on social mm. media. And, yeah. but, but the thing there was a point maybe five years ago where I really felt like God had said like this person needs to, I need this person to hear what I have to say about this matter. And so I took that person to lunch and I told them what the Lord needed them to hear about that matter. And that person did not hear what the Lord wanted them to hear <laughs> about that matter. In fact, they were confused uh, as to why I was bringing that matter up at all. They, they just had no idea what I was talking about. They were confused that I thought there was any issue. And I drove, I remember driving home from lunch and being like, did you not say that this person needs to hear what I have to say about this matter? And I just felt like the Lord said, yes, that's what I said. I didn't say that that person needed to hear what Sarah has to say. Yeah. And that I watched that person through the next year. Like I watched God work in their heart and they came up to me a year later and said to me, I have to tell you what God has been working on me and told me exactly like, this is like, here is what the Lord has done in the past year. And this is what I have learned. And I said to her, do you remember us going to lunch and me saying that? And she was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, we went to Subway. She didn't remember yeah. Subway. She didn't remember me. She didn't remember any of it. And I just was like, all right, Lord, I hear you. Like I will, like God can do his own. God is not so dependent on me that he can't do his own work, yeah. you know? And, and the thing is like, we, we can on social media in particular, we can think that our voice and our word on it is going to be the linchpin that is going to make right. a difference. But, and we have, we think, well, I've got to be bold. I got to be bold. I got to be bold. The boldness is not a fruit of the spirit, you know? Right. And like, so I think about, I mean, Hector is, is younger than both of us and um, Hector has great words but he doesn't have what I had at his age, which I'm so glad that the Lord delayed ministry in my life till he could work that out. Cause I would have done some major damage. Yeah. If I had been allowed, um, if I had been allowed the responsibility and the access to, to people that I have to their, to their hearts and to their, to their spirits. 
when I yeah. not understand that, and I didn't have, like, you wouldn't look at me and be like, that girl is growing some gentleness in her life, you know? Yeah. And so like, if what we put out on social media, if, if we're just concerned with the fruit of boldness, like, fine, be bold, but remember, that's not the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You know, maybe it's the difference between uh, knowledge and wisdom, right? We have all this knowledge, all these truths that we've learned and, you know, ideas and concepts. And, and yet in, in real world, real life with real people, um, you have to bring in some, there has to be, the expression of it has to be wise. Just because I have all this stuff doesn't mean that it's necessarily useful. Mm. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's useful for you. And even if I think it might be, doesn't necessarily mean that you need to hear it from me. Right. And so I, I, I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest here hundred percent that there, there are times where even here in the last like six to six months to a year where the Lord has just brought and brought interactions to my remembrance. And I've reached out to people and said, Hey, listen, man, I, this is going to sound out of left field, but we had an interaction that I, I just, I don't think it went well. I don't think you think it went well. And um, I just, I feel like I need to apologize. And um, I, you know, reached out to my sister-in-law a couple months back. And, you know, this was when I was in, I wasn't even graduated from seminary. So I had like a 10th of the knowledge I thought I really had, like just wasn't there. And I remember she had a, a you know, back when blogging was the thing. And I remember commenting uh, on one of her blogs, like, you just need to preach the gospel. And, you know, all this other stuff doesn't matter. And yet, and it was, I, I remember texting her like, you probably don't remember this, but like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry that I, I treated you this way. I'm sorry. I, you know, and she texted back, like, I appreciate the apology, but like, I don't know what you're referencing. And I said, well, maybe we just leave it up to the Lord in this. And, <laughs> you know, but, but I, I think back at times, I'm like, man, ooh, <laughs> just, and I'm thankful now after the fact, years and years later that, the Lord is patient with us, right? I, I'm, I'm mindful now, and I, I try to remind people of the fact that sanctification for all of us is just a long, slow journey home. Like we want to rush it, but we're not as we're not as as far along in the process as we want to be, or maybe as we need to be. And neither is anybody else. And so we we have to be willing to to just be generous with them, to be kind, and to to be gentle, right? Because at the end of the day, we're all dependent on the same spirit. We're all worshiping, Lord willing, the same Lord, right? I mean, and so he works with us in unique ways, but ultimately our unity comes through him. And so I can't try and divide what the Lord has forged together. Mm. And in those moments where maybe my words have cut cut deeply that way, I need to go and and, and make amends. I need to go and, and take ownership of that. and do my best to reconcile. We're ministers of reconciliation with a ministry of reconciliation, which means that all the things we do, all the things we say should be reflective of that, that ministry and that work. And in the moments where they're not, our obligation is confession and repentance. And if that means I have to confess and repent to a brother or sister that I've hurt, then yeah, then that's what it is. And so five years ago, it was, a, it might've been a different, a different approach. And so much of what I see on on Twitter at times is just people pulling down and digging down and not just extending grace, 
right? Not allowing for grace to overwhelm and flood through what needs to be, you know, overwhelmed. So, mm. yeah, I'm rambling a little bit, I feel like, but, you know, it, it yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so you talked a little bit about, like, reflecting on times where you maybe failed in, in that approach of trying to have grace be at the forefront, um, kind of this, this idea of living out right in kindness and in grace and in love. Um, can you talk a little bit about maybe a, a time that sticks out to you um, where you saw that play out well um, and something yeah. that just sticks with you as, as an encouragement or maybe a, a word of hope in, in your own life? Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> you know, when you, when you preach and teach regularly, there's, there's a whole lot of opportunity to, to mess up and, you know, open mouth, insert foot. And there's a whole lot of opportunity for, for someone to reach out to you and say, Hey, we need to figure this out. Um, I think, I think back on a time when I was a senior pastor in New Jersey, a small church, 75, 80 people. Um, and I had made a comment. I don't even remember the exact comment, um, in the sermon, but there was a, a, an individual in the church who, whose family had just joined maybe two or three weeks before. So they were brand new to the church. We had, we had been really developing strong relationships with them and their family. Um, and he reached out, it was like a Tuesday morning, reached out and said, Hey man, can we get coffee tonight? And, uh, obviously we went to Dunkin' Donuts cause that's where <laughs> all the spiritual things have to happen. <laughs> and so we sat in, 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 uh, at Dunkin' Donuts and we talked through, he had a, just a different view of like eschatology, the end times, you know, the second coming, new heavens, new earth, all of it and in my imperfection i was just careless and reckless with something i said that just that cut to the quick of who he was and so we spent probably two or three hours just talking through just our differences in it and um it led to some other conversations related to some other things that and we walked away and even now i mean five years after after the fact our families still keep in touch our families still get together in fact i have a I had a phone call with his, his uh, oldest son a couple weeks back um, just about some ministry stuff. And, you know, it's, I'll, I'll be honest, it's, it's rare for people to be hurt or offended by something that I've said and then take the, the necessary step of reaching out to say, Pastor Will, can we sit down? Can we figure this out? I wish more people would do that. And this is just a general thing for just church members in general, that if you have a grievance or you've been hurt by something a pastor has said and and there's safety for you to do that to have that conversation and i realize that that safety need and that trust needs to be there but if there is safety there and trust there then reach out to that to your pastor and sit down and talk with with him or her sit down and and, and engage in the conversation because i i i would like to think right love believes all things hopes all things endures all things i want in my heart to believe that Yes, there are abusive and awful pastors that have no business being in a pulpit or serving as, as a shepherd. But there are lots of good shepherds out there who love the Lord, who love his people. And if you have one of those, if you have a, a, even an elder team, a, a leadership team that you can trust and that you love and you know loves you, 
then you should be able to go to them and, and work these things out. I know I always try to err on the side of reconciliation. I know that there are times where conversations didn't go the way I hoped and families, we agree to disagree and they end up going to church elsewhere. And sometimes that happens, but I think we have to allow for that, for that discussion to happen without just jumping to the, to the conclusion of it and not giving the space. So yeah, I, that one especially sticks out in my head because because it was so, he was so heated. I mean, <laughs> you would have thought I, you know, stepped down off the, off the platform and just, you know, cold cocked him because it, it just, it hit him sideways. He didn't see it coming, but I'm thankful for his, his willingness, his heart to talk to me in that as a, as a new church member, he could have just jumped ship and said, well, I'm not really invested here anyway. And it taught me something. And, and I, you know, Lord willing, it taught him some things and we were able to sort of maintain fellowship in in that sense so yeah well as as we're wrapping it up will so uh do you uh have any other sort of like daydreams when you think about using social media for ministry or how you um care for people or how you care for um how you care and i i would even call it disciple pastors through your posts things like that do you have daydreams about that Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, I'll say this. I, I do wish, um, you know, I've, I've had different folks respond to different posts at, at different times and, and say things like, you know, is, is there, have you fleshed this out in a, in a deeper, in a deeper way, right? Have you written anything or have you, is there a podcast or a sermon that we can listen to? And I, I hate to say this is where the method and the madness don't necessarily come together. Sometimes what you get on Twitter is just my, my thought in that moment. <laughs> and so there's not, there, there might be a, a deeper thought or, you know, connected to it. Um, that's where sometimes you'll see a small thread here or there. Um, I, I try to not do a whole lot of those. <laughs> but I, I think if there were a daydream, I think I would, I would love to just, have some space and some margin to be able to write and flesh out some of the ideas that I have. Um, I have a sort of writing project I'm working on. If uh, Ruth Buchanan is listening to this, I have, I know I need to send you stuff. Forgive me and be patient. (laughs) Um, So I have some, some thoughts. I've taken some of those initial sort of, I don't know, toes in the water kind of thing. Um, but I, I really would just love to have some more margin, some more space in my calendar to be able to sit down and, and devote, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to churn out 1,500 words today or whether it's an article or, you know, a larger project. Um, I'm working towards that, but it's just tough, you know, life and ministry. And I'm a, so I think the Enneagram is voodoo. So this might be the most controversial part of today. But I'm a, I'm a three on the Enneagram. So, you know, it, it goes against all of my achiever sort of personality to, to make excuses, but it's just been, it's been busy season, tough season in different ways. And so my daydream is that in the season ahead, that there's some space to be able to, to flesh some things out, to write some things out. And yeah. One of the, um, we had Kate Boyd on and she, I think it was Kate Boyd pretty sure it was Kate Boyd who who talked about like she might have a tweet and it's good and so then she would take it and make an Instagram post or she'd make a reel or she'd make a 
a blog and like you would take that one thing and just instead of trying to be like this is this is 280 characters or less of a good yeah. thought and now I'm going to try to make it be 50,000 words and just instead of doing that just stretch it a little and stretch it a little yeah that was really yeah. good I um I wish I understood Instagram. I wish I had this like Instagram gene that so many people have. Like my wife loves Instagram. She does reels and all all sorts of things. And I'm like, I, I just, it's not there. But yeah. um, I do, I think there's just a part of this where I just need to just suck it up and do it. Yeah. Do you, have <laughs> you a, know, do you and... write for a blog, Will? I'm sorry? Do you contribute to a blog? Do you? Right for a blog. So, so we have um we have a sort of a regional ministry, um, regional ministry with local church pastors, sort of interdenominational um, that I, I write to. But I, I think if you were to go there, it's called Valley Shepherds. If you were to go there, I think the most recent thing I've written was maybe April or May. It's been it's been a good minute since I've actually contributed to it. Um, and there's some different things there, but other than that, I this is touching on a, and I'm okay with it. It's touching on a little, little, little bit of a soft spot to where sometimes you just feel this insecurity, right? Where I want to reach out to, to submit an, an article for a magazine, but you're like, does my voice count? Is what I'm saying worthwhile? And so some of that, I'm still working out. It's not quite imposter syndrome, although it's, it's part of it. Um, I'm still working some of that out. <laughs> so this is good. This is good sort of accountability and and even just a encouragement to to you know to just do it. We'll, yeah. we'll, we just need to Nike this oh, thing. Shia Buffett. <laughs> That's it. You you would hear you would hear a lot more of it in my preaching and in my my teaching ministry, um, maybe more than in in writing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, did if if you want to write an article. If you were to try to write an article, what's the worst that would happen? You wouldn't get an article published? Like you already don't have an article published. So you're no worse off than you already are. So you might as well try to do the thing you want to do. If you're, if you're going to listen on streaming, you can't see me shaking my head no. <laughs> but it's, a, it, um, it's on a swivel right now. Um, I don't know if you've been talking to Ruth or not, but... She's basically said the same thing. I mean, mm -hmm. what what you would have with with someone saying no is where where you are now, except yeah. you would have had something written. <laughs> and and it, it's just it. The whole thing is just it's so counterintuitive in some yeah. ways. And so, all right. So well, she I actually she I'm hired us <laughs> to bring you on to eventually yeah, yeah, get yeah. to those I, questions. So. Oh. <laughs> when I schedule my next meeting with her, I'll. Uh, I'll let her know. <laughs> and I'll also send in some, some writing. Now, to be fair, I did, I was starting, I had started a project, a writing project, probably at the start of the year, but I was, I'll be honest, I was writing from a place of anger. And so um, I know what my writing sounds like <laughs> and what my, what my voice sounds like when it's angry. And so I, here in the last couple of months have sort of paused that. And the last time I met with her, I sort of told her, look, I need to pivot away from this conversation because it's still, still too raw, still too sore. But I think I had 9,000 words written there. So it was, it was enough to get me rolling. But since then, I've, I've taken the, 
tortoise approach. The tortoise in the shell, like tortoise is not even moving yet. We're just sitting in the middle of the road, hoping to not get hit. Yeah. So. <laughs> and tortoises yeah. are notoriously bad typers, so. Uh -huh. Yeah, they are. You're right. <laughs> so stop being a point, tortoise. Point well taken. <laughs> There's no reason to uh, not be a writer if you want to be a writer. I appreciate. I appreciate you guys. I do. I really do. Yeah, this has been this has been great. You know, well, I told you earlier this week, and I'll tell you again. I just. I appreciate your voice. And I appreciate uh, just one, your social media voice and, and getting to see your, how you use Twitter specifically, but then also uh, I've sat down and, and watched uh, a few of the sermons in the last few months. And again, just really appreciate the way that you wrestle with not only the word, uh, but also how to be faithful to the word, but also to to share that in a, in love and in kindness and in God's tenderness, not necessarily um, holding it back from your people, but to, to do so in God's tenderness. And so um, I'm just so glad to have you here and, and just to talk a little bit about uh, the way that our words matter and the way that we share them matters. Um, I think, I think you have so much more that, that we can learn from, as far as both social media and just shepherding people, you know, um, I'm on staff at a church, uh, served as a pastor. And, and so just, I think there's so much more that, that I can learn um, as well, just in what it means to, to tenderly shepherd uh, the people that God has, has given us to shepherd, you know, so. I appreciate you know. it, everybody. Well, all right. Well, thanks right, for coming guys. on, Will. All right. Oh, thanks we'll for having you. me. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. All right. Bye.